Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727 541 1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727 541 1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. On Sunday, December 4th, Burl Ives again tells the exciting new story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the General Electric Fantasy Hour. The date, Sunday, December 4th. Ah, I love this Christmassy time of year, especially when everything is running happy and smooth. Nothing like that year of the big snowstorm. I don't know what we would have done without Rudolph. Rudolph? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer yeah. used to laugh and call Look him at names. The beach. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you'll go down in history. Join Rudolph in a trip to the island of misfit toys. Meet Yukon Cornelius, the funniest prospector of the North. Gad Zeus, the bumble snow monster of the North strikes again. Meet Santa's elves and hear seven original Christmas songs. Burl sings. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. It's a holly jolly Christmas special for the entire family. Don't miss Rudolph, Sunday, December 4th, in color on most of these stations. Hey everybody, this is Andy Powell, guitarist, Wishbone Ash, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us, and check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com, where you can go back and listen to all our 600 and some odd shows that we've done for the last 12-plus years. Good evening, Bobby. 
Season's greetings. Season's greetings. Mm. Uh, yes, Merry and a Merry Christmas to all. I want to thank all my listeners that have been uh, listening to us through, mm. through thick and thin, through all the Christmases, all the New Year's, all the Easter's, all the Thanksgivings. What else is that? I miss one? No, nope, we're, we're on the air for Christmas number 12, so... Okay, good, good, I good. Guess we, we made it to 710, so we're good. Yeah, we're good, <laughs> we're good, we're good. So, uh, anyway, hey, we got another exciting show for you this evening. we got a very special guest coming on, uh, another musician, and it is Christmas. And uh, so, uh, you know, I hope everybody has a, a spectacular, spectacular um, Christmas holiday, right? Yes, this is what I was looking for. I'll tell Santa Claus on you. That's the one. That's the so one. Where's my my big bag of Three Stooges <laughs> tricks? There's the Christmas one. <laughs> so what did we do this weekend? Let's see. This weekend, um, the <coughs> I don't think we did any Inverness cruising. Oh, the Inverness cruising. Yeah, On we Friday. cruised up there, and I met two really nice guys up there. There was two really stunning vehicles up there. There was a '77 Ford truck, short bed, and. Uh, Beautifully, I mean, it really was too nice to drive. I always say that to people that, you know, sometimes I see these cars and they're just too beautiful. I mean, but you drive them and, you know, it's passion. Okay, and then there was another gentleman there that had a um, had a uh, real nice 73 Pantera, equally as nice. He'd owned that car since the 80s. The other gentleman owned his cars also since the 80s. In fact, the gentleman that had the, the Ford truck lived in alaska he was uh in the oil i'll just say he was in the oil industry okay and um so that was uh he had that car up there and i said uh, so why'd you move to florida he says well you know i got tired of short days and cold weather and i came down here and i was visiting my relatives and i thought it was beautiful and i wrote a check for a piece of property and i've never looked back so that was pretty cool and um so that's kind of neat the other thing i did over the weekend too is i went and looked at a uh, 1968 shelby gt500 convertible um, I did a PPI, which is pre-purchase inspection. Really interesting car. The car was in a barn. Well, the car had one owner. So because I'm one of the Shelby reps, okay, I have access to a lot of the, the information that's on the Shelby registry and then some. And according to the Shelby registry, the car was bought in Moline, Illinois. Uh, it was built in February of 68. Uh, Didn't sell until 11 of 68. Then in 69, the uh, motor was had some engine issues. You know, people kind of beat on him a little bit, so there's no telling what the deal was. But at any rate, so the engine was replaced under warranty. And the gentleman that owned the car upgraded it to, instead of a GT500, which is a regular um, 428 police interceptor motor, if you will, um, Thunderbird motor, police interceptor motor, whatever, he paid the other $750 and put a Cobra Jet motor in it. Okay, so, uh, but nobody really knew what the whole story was on the car because it wasn't very well documented, okay? Well, the current owner, which is now the second, the third owner, um, had some information, but but let me just back up for a second here. So basically, the first owner sold it to the second owner. The second owner bought the car for their kid, whatever the issue was, they took the car away from him, and it sat in the barn from 1980 until 2000, mid-2000s. Okay, and that's when this gentleman acquired the car. So the car sat, and uh, fortunately, it sat in a nice, clean barn that wasn't more of a, uh, a barn where they keep equipment and stuff like that. So it wasn't like it was out in, on the dirt and you know farm equipment and and hay and and you know rodents and all kinds of stuff running around chewing on the car. The car was actually in pretty decent shape, remarkably. And uh, so this gentleman acquired the car, and then he did a, just a light cosmetic uh, reconditioning on the car, got the motor going and everything like that. 
and uh, drove the car for a while. Took it to a couple of car shows, and of course, you know, people go, "Oh yeah, well, you know, this is not right. It should be this, should be that." You know, so he said, "Well, you know what? I'm, I, I'm, I can do this. I'll just go ahead and have the car restored." So he had the car restored to concourse quality. Then he took the car to a number, couple of shows afterwards, and then of course, the judges, you know, they can't make up their mind, and and quite frankly, half of them weren't even qualified. But you know, they got to put their two cents in, and. Uh, he just got annoyed with it and then took it to a couple car shows because the car is so nice. You know, it's just like when I was at the car show in Inverness, the Pantera and then the guy with the truck, you know, as soon as people started gathering around it, the guy jumped out of their seats, come running out of the restaurant, you know, because they're afraid somebody's going to touch the car. So if you got something that nice, you know, it kind of takes the fun out of it if you worry about it. You're proud of it and you want to show it off. There's nothing wrong with that. And I get that. But when it's too perfect, I was underneath. The cool thing about the Ford truck is it was four-wheel drive, right? So I wanted to look underneath it because he was telling me how great it looks underneath. Well, I didn't even have to, you know, I just had to bend over because <laughs> you, you could see everything, you know, because it's four-wheel drive and it sits up high. He had a three-inch, or yeah, I think he had a three-inch lift on it. And um, so, but, you know, you, you want to you, you get a car so that you can drive it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be nice, you know, if you want it, unless you're like me and I drive righty crap. Or push it half the time, don't we, Bobby? Push it around the shop. Push yeah. it over here. Push it like, over there. We have pushers. Like a sleigh. Like a sleigh. Yeah, we have pushers. You know, push them in this corner. Push them in that corner. Push them over to here. Push them over there. You got a pilot's it. license. I got yeah, pilot's license. Pilot, anyway, well, they yeah. got to know what that means. Pilot over here. Pilot over there. Yeah, pilot over here. Pilot over there. There you go. That's it. I was trying to figure the rest of that joke. Okay, very good. But at any rate, uh, so the Shelby is really really nice car, uh, and it's got this carburetor jet motor in it. Okay, so I checked. It. It's got a reproduction set of exhaust manifolds on it. It's got a reproduction. Carburetor on it. There's no date code on it, but it has a C8ZX number on it, and uh, four-speed training, all that stuff. All was correct, you know, very nicely done. Correct date code or correct uh, part number on the radiator. You know the obvious stuff. Fan, although the fan was a repro, you can tell by the rivet heads. Instead of being round, they're flat. You know, a lot of guys aren't going to catch this stuff. I mean, I do this for a living, so I kind of know. I actually forgot a lot of it, you know, so I have to call a friend of mine and double-check. But that's, you know, I, I have references, so I can go someplace, and I can, and people I know, I can always follow up, and I can verify stuff. But it, that gets to be a nuisance, you know. So why is the guy selling a really, really nice car? Just for that reason, because it's just too nice, and they worry about it all the time. He said, I'd rather have something that's not as nice, drive it all the time, have a lot of fun. I wish I hadn't restored the car. Then I'd keep it. So... Where I'm going with this, guys, is just get a nice car, upgrade it a little bit, make it nice, drive it around. Because if it's a real car and it's an honest car, people are going to like it no matter what. Okay, and if it's different, I mean, you show up with a four-door '69 Valley, you, you might have a little bit of an issue unless it's got a 383 underneath the hood and a four-speed, and it was special order that way, or a '65 Galaxy with a 427 R code four-speed four-door car that was basically a uh, you know a um, narc car or a uh, what do you call it? Revenue or car. That's the word I'm looking for. You know, I mean, something like that. But, I mean, if you run around with the, you know, run, even station wagons are collectible. Station wagons. Okay. So, but just whatever you buy, just make sure it makes you happy. And Christmas is coming. There's a lot of car shows coming up here. Particularly, if you want to find out where all the car shows are, definitely go to flacarshows.com. But in January 4th, beginning in January 4th, Meekum has their auction in Kissimmee. And there's four thousand cars i just got an email from them today said they listed they consigned their four thousandth car did i say that right four thousandth car and of all things it had to be a red 69 boss 429 kk number 1394 mine was 1399 the first 279 cars were s motor cars with the real nascar motor and real nascar rods real nascar pistons 
starting at 1200 so 1200 to 279 is 1479 so for the longer you're within two, first 279 you had the bad the baddest of the boss 429s and 69 by far is a cool looking car although 70 boss rare 2 is a good looking car as well and a 68 shelby on that note i think bobby's going to fire up mr stereo there yeah. and uh oh no i want a big shout out to my buddy mike uh well we call him junk mike but junk mike's a guitarist, a friend of mine, and he's in the junk business. We'll say the scrapping industry, okay? And we were, uh, he got a couple old Cadillacs. I think they're, I went and looked at them. They're straight windshield cars, so they're 52 and older, I believe, four-door sedans. And my other friend, Mark, up in Maryland, Mark Twarno, he's been on our show before, by the way, and uh, he's a big Cadillac collector. So we're trying to hook Mark up, see if he can do something with these caddies, because we can't crush them. And uh, so I went over to look at those things with Mike, and uh, it's a shame, you know. I mean, you can't restore everything. But the good thing about a four-door Cadillac is, particularly these early cars, is they have their donor cars. So you grab the, all the pieces off of it you need to fix a convertible with or two-door hardtop. But sometimes if you've got a really nice four-door, leave it alone. Don't mess with it. It's a nice car. So, And then while we were over there, we picked up this big old bumper for, for our FT50. And uh, so... Um, we couldn't scrap that. We had to put it on the front of my scrap truck. <laughs> anyway, on that note, Bobby's going to go ahead and uh, play a little Christmas music for you. And uh, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with our special guest here in a little bit. You tune into Nostalgic Radio and Car. And here's Royal Guardsman. In fact, we had uh, the gentleman, oh, I can't remember his name right now, but one of the guys that was uh, involved with the Royal Guardsman who was out of Ocala on our show last year, remember? Tune in to us every week. Nostalgic Radio and Cars. further than flacarshows.com on your computer or on your mobile device flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles whether you're looking for car shows cruise-ins meetups automotive festivals cars and coffees or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine then this is a site for you check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com 
may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Santa Claus on you. <laughs> okay, we're back. And uh, I was talking a little bit about that 68 Shelby. So where I'm going with this is that because the car has an upgraded motor, all the KR Shelbys, which came out mid-year, had 428 Cobra Jet motors in them. And then, of course, in 69 and 70, Cobra Jets, 428s. And then in 70, 71, they replaced some of the cars with 429 Cobra Jet motors. Well, Torino's. And then 71, Torino Mustang had a 429 Cobra Jet motor in it. But anyway, so how does it affect the value? Well, if you have a service, and I argue this with some some of the um, the uh, uh, car appraisers and collectors, if you have the collectors get it, the appraisers don't because sometimes they're prima donnas, but and they're not all car guys like they claim they are. You know, those of us that eat, sleep, and drink this stuff, that's a different deal. And uh, so, if you've got that Cobra Jet and you can prove that it was replaced under warranty or upgraded during during the warranty period, if you get a service replacement part on it, like Chevrolet calls their stuff counter exchange, um, service replacement parts generally have a factory part number on them, but they also have a later date codes. If you can document all that stuff, then it's perfectly okay because that's what would happen. Any period correct modifications, I give credit to those. In fact, it enhances the value. My 68 Shelby, for example, has been modified to the extent that I've got the 302 motor in it, but I put Windsor heads on it, which are basically the same thing as the Ford GT40 heads back in 66. I got different intake on it, different valve covers on it. I converted it from an automatic to a four-speed. I did the suspension mods, which are Trans Am Boss 302 modifications, which were done per the Boss 302 Trans Am manual. And my car, in my opinion, is worth more than a stock one. There's plenty of stock cars out there. Now, an original, 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 original survivor trumps all of them. But those are few and far between. So a restored car versus a car that's had period correct modification, and my stuff was done back in the 70s, that's legit. And I give credit to that. But anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And you heard it here on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. On that note, Bobby's going to fire... It's even on record. It's even on record. <laughs> yeah, right. So on that note... We're recording uh, this. We're recording this? Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's going to be archived, too. Oh, boy. You can go to NostalgicRadioCars.com and you can hear it. Hear the truth over and over and over. Yep. And I defy anybody. If they want to call me up and argue about it, we can. Um, because the proof is in the pudding. You know, been there, done that? Yes. Done there, been there. Done done it, been it. Whatever. Something like that. All right. Time so for your Christmas dream. It's time for my Christmas dream. This is Brian Ferry. And uh, uh, formerly of it was a Roxy Music, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, and uh, well, when they still more... had back in the day when the names were still separate, according to the internet. Okay. Well, anyway, this is only part of the story. So stay tuned. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars at Little Brian Ferry and Christmas Dream, right, Bobby? Very good.
Hey, this is Chuck Wright. You might know me from Quiet Wright, Alice Cooper, House of Lords, and others. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio in Cars. Bang your head. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is, let's call him a legendary rock guitarist. And uh, he's very well known in the musical world. He's a musician, guitarist, and he's also, uh, I want to say, like, a musical instructor as well. And uh, he's very passionate about his guitars. He's very passionate about his music, and he writes songs. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the Danish-born Jacob Quiskard, also known as Quist. Quist, how are you doing this evening? Hey, Robert. I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. Pretty good. Did I introduce you correctly? Absolutely. Very good. Okay. So give us a little background on yourself. You're from Denmark, you know, and I will tell you that I was there in 1981. I was in Copenhagen. So oh, no you, you have a beautiful little country. Yeah, I was on my way to Stockholm. So I left uh, northern Germany, took a little ferry across there, went to, no, I drove up to, uh, we took the train to Denmark and took the ferry from there to Stockholm. But yes, yeah, a beautiful town. I walked around there for a while and went to a couple places and some museums and beautiful, beautiful yes. place you have there. Uh, it's it's nice, yeah. It's, it's it's especially nice in the summer when it's not uh, you know uh, kind of harsh weather wise. You know, it, it gets a little rougher around the winters. Um, but yeah, I, I left there in in the late nineties. I've been uh, you know away from home, so to speak, for for for, for a really long time. Um, so, but yeah, I, I did all my growing up uh, until I was a teenager in, in Denmark. Then I moved to London, and then I moved to America. So. Is is Denmark considered part of Scandinavia? It is, yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, it's one of the, one of the four, yeah. Okay, so you got um, Denmark, Norway, uh, Finland, and Sweden, right? That's 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 right. Yeah, you got it. Okay, very good. All right, so when you what, how did you get involved in music? Tell us about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, my my dad had a, a guitar at home, like a, a, an old beat up acoustic, and I just. Thought, hey, what's that? And 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 started playing um, and, and learning a few things from from him, uh, and and just really loved that. And uh, that was when I was six years old. And then, you know, once I became like a teenager, I I, I uh, became just you know kind of obsessed with it and, and became a, a guitar nerd, if you like, uh, and just spent just absolutely every minute of every day just learning everything I could uh, get my hands on, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, that that's that's how all that started, really. Um, and uh, yeah, you know. So growing up, <coughs> excuse me, in Den in Denmark, okay. And what's what city are you from in Denmark? I'm from Copenhagen, actually. Okay, Copenhagen. Okay, it's capital, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going back to my uh, school days and geography, and then just trying to make sure I said this right. <laughs> but at any rate, <laughs> at any rate uh, so what was it like? So what era are we talking? You know, what decade are we talking? Sixties, seventies, eighties? What what time? What period are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking nineties. Oh, nineties. Uh, I, mean, I mean, what are we talking about? My my school years? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, can I ask your age? Is that okay? Can we ask that on the air? Uh, I'm in my. I, I, I've rounded the the, the four o. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. born in the late seventies, early eighties, then that that's your kind of period. Then that's right. Okay. So what type of music influenced you when you were younger in Copenhagen? Because European music is a little bit different than the United States. And right around, I will say, because I was listening to some of the stuff you have right now, which they kind of refer to as lofty hop. Now I'll let you get into that in a little bit. But back in uh -huh. the 
in the late seventies and early eighties when I was when I would go to Europe once in a while, um, the German kind of European techno music was kind of like in okay, and then of yeah. course the new wave music was, and of course you worked with Brian Ferry here most recently a few years back, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on his uh, is it Avon Moore, Evan Moore. Hey. Even more, yeah, yeah, his um, album, yeah. Okay, good, good, and that and that had to be, I'm sure, a treat, be able to work with, uh, you know, a, a legend like um, and a and a Hall of Famer like uh, Brian Ferry. But what kind of music? And he was real popular in the '80s. So, what music influenced you? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I said he influenced me at, at at that time. You know, it wasn't until later that I really discovered, you know, Roxy music and and all their pioneering uh, work. You know. Uh, I I grew up on like uh, like a lot of blues basically uh, okay. and a lot of uh, like from the you know like like Clapton and um, like the, the you know the the the, uh, the sort of big you know popular wave of uh, of, of, of um, rock, rock and roll taking on blues. What's that? Okay, so yeah, well Clapton was very well known for for blues obviously, and uh, and yeah, then some so of the some of the American artists that were any influence to you? I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, actually, to be honest, uh, Bruce Springsteen was a huge influence. Uh, like in the early days, I, 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 I had all his records. I bought all his vinyl, and um, just was uh, was was a, kind of a super fan of his. But and then, like you know, um, people like um, I got into the harder side, like uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, Metallica. Uh, I, you know, a, a big old phase of of really digging into um, to you know to the to the rock kind of side of things. Um, How about yeah, guys, I, guys like Richie Blackmore, Mark Knopfler, um, and uh, let's or, see, Robin Trower, people like that. Did they have any influence on you? Yeah, massively. Yeah, I, I think also. I mean, uh, Pink Pink Floyd is uh, one of the kind of the biggest ones. I just went to see. You see, I, I worked with. David Gilmore's um, bass player, a long-time bass player um, called Guy Pratt. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. We toured together with Ryan Ferry in 2014. He was in the band for a year, uh, and uh, and we spent a whole year together. And, and he played on my previous album, and I played on things of his and whatnot. But he has been working with David Gilmore for, for, uh, for a really long time, basically, and David Gilmore's Pink Floyd. I just saw him the other day when he was out touring with... Um, um, the Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason, uh, he's in his band as well. Uh, Nick Mason's, um, 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 uh, just lost the uh, lost the name of the band, but, but um, yeah, they they're out touring uh, just now. Uh, Nick Mason's Soft Full of Secrets is called. Okay, and uh, just just saw them here in LA, and they were absolutely brilliant. So yeah, that kind of um, side of you know rock music was. Uh, something that was like super influential for, for me and, and I still love it you know uh, I, I, I'll still put on Pink Floyd and and, uh, and enjoy it very much so when you're growing up in Copenhagen and so and you're you're a musician what are some of the other hobbies that your you know contemporaries would have had back then at that age group so while you were involved in music what are some of the other hobbies that you would have participated in or some of your uh, classmates and people like that uh, there's a lot of soccer, like, you know, Denmark is a really big soccer nation and like handball and the, I don't know if you, not the handball that people play in school, but like, um, it's called handball. It's, it's got basically like football, but where you use your hands. 
Okay. And uh, yeah, people people are crazy about that in Scandinavia, also because the Danish team does well. But you know, I I did none of that, man. I was just sat in my room um, playing the guitar, <laughs> to be honest with you. And then when once I was like fourteen, I I got in my first band, and and we uh, yeah, I just wanted to spend you know as much time as possible locked in a room with them, you know. Um, so so yeah, I, I didn't do a lot of like. The, the classic stuff that people do uh, okay. outside so, of music. So then when did you, uh, and so how old were you when you decided to venture off into uh, to London? And what was some uh, of the connection? who were some of the people you connected with when you were there? So this is the story, if you want to get, um, I mean, so basically, I don't know if you know um, the Musicians Institute uh, here in, in Los Angeles. It's like, um, you know, it's a very famous like music school where a lot of the sort of hero guitarists from the especially from the 80s and 90s they uh, were either went there or, or taught there and and uh, th- I wanted to do that when I was 16 and uh, I decided um, to finish high school before going there and then in the meantime um, they had made like a a, a a branch if you will of musicians Institute in London and then um, so I finished high school and then I was like now I want to go and do this music school and just you know absolutely you know, spend uh, all day every day uh, digging into music and then because they made one in london i thought well you know what i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna try the one in london and, and and i got into the the one in london and then um yeah that, that's how i sort of uh, started on the uh, uh you know the the, the the being in london basically rather than than america because it was closer uh and then but then fast forward a number of years and I started working with Americans and I worked with a, a few American artists, a really great American artist called um, Valerie June that maybe some of you might know. Um, she's uh, like a roots artist. We, we toured all over Europe and, uh, and she had some Americans in her band and I just was reminded that my original intention was to come to America. And, uh, and then I was like, well, let me go and do that. So that's how I ended up in America. So the, uh, the 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 school that you went to in England was called the Royal Academy of Music, correct? Yes, yeah, that was a- after I'd spent a year at Musicians Institute. One of the teachers uh, kind of spotted me and, and said, why don't you try to get into the Royal Academy of Music? Um, and uh, it was like, uh, it was actually a jazz course. Uh, at that point, had ventured into like, um, like jazz, basically, and, and it was... It, um, it's really hard to get into, and it was kind of elitist, and uh, I wasn't sure it was the right thing for me to do. And um, but this, I really liked the teacher who who said you should try and do this. And then I invited one of my best friends from Denmark to try to get in, and uh, we both got in. I got in on a scholarship, and if I hadn't got in in on a scholarship, I wouldn't have been able to afford it anyway. So, um, so yeah, that's that's that was what kept me in London, if you will, because it was for four years of, of, of studying and, and uh, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was kind of a weird time. I, I, I got signed with a, 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 my first professional project with Sony Music uh, on in the first year of being there. So I very nearly left from the very beginning, but I somehow managed to stick it out. So when you were in, in, in the Royal Academy of Music, um, who were some? Of, what were some of the teachers like? And did any celebrity musicians ever come in there and kind of hang out with you guys and jam? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the, uh, most of them were jazz, you know, jazz people. So, you know, you're talking top of the like 
the jazz kind of tree um, in 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 England. So and that was, uh, um, I mean, p- part of why I also I decided that this that thing probably wasn't for me to be like a, a straight up jazz musician because uh, you know it brings with it a certain lifestyle for a lot for a lot of people and because uh, it's I don't know it's 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 it's, it's hard it's a hard um, have a hard life for, for, for most people that play, play jazz but um, that's changing now with, with the internet and whatnot so I shouldn't really say it as, as uh, squarely as that no no that's but, okay uh, yeah, because we, we everybody's heard all the stories about musicians over the years, but it's not just musicians; it's athletes, it's a lot of people in the professional and in, in the entertainment world. All right, so now yeah. you're in California. So then uh, you set foot, you step on the ground in California, and uh, so take us from take us from there. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I I um, was like I said, I was working with American artists and and. Uh, and and they were like, you know, you should really try and come come here and and, and give it a go. And uh, and so I decided to move. And then actually got the gig with Brian Ferry uh, when I'd already decided to move. Uh, and he's obviously based in in London, so uh, so it was a, a little weird. So I decided, hey, I'm gonna just do a year with with Brian Ferry um, before I I then say I, I I'll move. And um, but yeah, what happened was that he was. He was like, you know what? It's fine. We'll just fly you back and forth. So I actually um, worked, at, you know, four four years uh, with him, where he was just uh, okay with flying me back and forth. Um, so, so my first, you know, three years of being in, here in America, I I spent very little time here actually because I was <laughs> flying around uh, touring the world uh, for, for most of the year. Um, so, so it's only in recent years where I've, I've gotten my own studio here in, in California and, and have really gotten to, you know, to, 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 to know people a little better and, and, and started to, to develop, uh, you know, more, more of a network here. And, uh, it's been lovely, man. I, I, I enjoy America just as much as I thought I would because culturally, you know, America is very different from Europe. I mean, there are lots of similarities, but, um, there's parts of American culture that uh, that I gel with, and that I I just you know I just it, I enjoy it more than I enjoy um, a lot of the parts of, of, of where I come from, uh, and where I also you know where where I spent a long time. I was in England for a long time, and I love England, and it feels like home as well. But uh, yeah, there's parts of America, man, that uh, that, that that really gel with me. So uh, I'm I'm loving being here. So tell us a little bit. What was it like working with Brian Ferry? Um, it was cool, man. It was um, very inspiring. Uh, that's the, the main thing I can say. Um, he's very uh, passionate. Uh, still, after all these years, you know, I mean, he's coming in. He's coming up to yeah, yeah, fifty years. He's done it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done five five decades of making music, you know, uh, but he's still very fiery and passionate and, and always tweaking the music and um, really um, trying to do his best at all times. And uh, it's it's inspiring to be around that. And, and I honestly, both in the studio and, and on, on the road, I, I learned like a ton of stuff just from uh, seeing him and, and, and being directed by him, you know, he's uh, very hands-on, you know, always has ideas and, and feedback, and um, 
yeah, it, um, it's, uh, it's been a very, very positive um, experience that I, you know, was we'll, it? We'll, we'll always cherish. Uh, basically, I also met a lot of you know musicians through it. Obviously, so it's, it's opened up a lot. Um, so very, very um, grateful for it. So did he? Now he's not really a musician. He's more of a songwriter. Actually, his background is he's an art student, art major is what he was, and then he mm-hmm. uh, got it started with a band and and started singing. And then I think he got into songwriting. He's also real good friends with David Bowie and a couple other guys of that era. Uh-huh. Those are his contemporaries. But as yeah. when you were working with him, obviously he, they hired you because you're a, a, an outstanding guitarist, and and you. And you very much get into their style of music, you know their genre of music. And so, when 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 did they? Were you able to contribute any? You know, like if there's songs that they did and music that they did, were you able to contribute uh, changes to some of their music that maybe would have your influence that would have that everybody kind of agreed on? Did did, did that ever take place? Um. Hmm. That may well have happened, but I mean, he has, he has a, um, he, he does work with a musical director who, who you know, um, uh, well, the various, I was in, you know, like three, three or four different incarnations of his band, but his musical directors are, uh, were all, uh, all, all of the musical directors I worked with were very lovely people and very open to suggestions and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So yes, absolutely. Um, there's 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 a, a, a good environment there, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, um, he works very closely with his with like uh, the person who's a musical director, usually um, the the piano player in the band. Um, but certainly for for studio stuff, um, like his way of recording is very much like he puts out, um, you know, he, here's here's the uh, canvas. And he just says, you know, be yourself on this canvas. And if you come up with something that is that 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 creates a spark, you know, then hey, that's you on that canvas, and that's you having changed the the, the way of that piece of music. That that's definitely his approach, and he he opens up the floor in that way in the recording process. He's very very open. He will not just be like, you know, play play this or play this kind of thing or whatever. He will just be like, here's the canvas, be yourself. Let me, you know, inspire me, and 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 so from from that perspective, yes, he's very, very open to to um, to you creating uh, things like that. And I, I was very fortunate to be able to do that on on his album. You know, like where where he he would just be like, just just play something. You know, just just come up with uh, with whatever you you, you can here. Um, so yeah, very fun. Okay, super. All right, let's talk about your latest album. Um, I believe this is your fourth album, and it's called Breathing Space? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay, now, in the press release from our good friend Billy, he refers to uh-huh. it as atmospheric, he used a label, the, or the uh, kind of like a description, if you will, atmospheric album. So, uh-huh. and then there's the term Lofi Hop, Lofi, if I'm pronouncing that right, it's a style of music, so... Tell us, take us, so for my listeners, it's a different type of music, and I know that you had said earlier that you were influenced by Pink Floyd. So this, mm-hmm. there's a little Pink Floyd in here. I see a little Pink Floyd influence on this. So go ahead and tell yeah. us how this album came about for you. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a bit of Floyd over uh, aspects of this album. 
and 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 not in a, in any kind of forced way. It was just something that happened because I was just being myself, and I guess there's a lot of that in me. But um, so it's uh, most people uh, say lo-fi as as opposed oh. to hi-fi. Okay. Uh, so so like um, so it's like a, it's it's a a type of music that it's been popular for uh, for for a little while with um, let's say the um, younger generation <laughs> and. Um, um, I started work. I did a, a few things with uh, with artists that do very well in, in the lo-fi um, genre. Some of the biggest lo-fi artists um, I collaborated with at the start of the pandemic in 2020, and that sort of sparked uh, a, a new phase for me, where I was like, "Hey, I really like expressing myself within this uh, genre, and uh, let me see if I can just be myself and, and, and play my guitar the way that I like to do." Uh, within the, I mean, n not really narrow con confines of, of the lo-fi genre. So I uh, have been doing that. I, I made it like a my, my first Christmas album actually last year, which was a lo-fi album as well. And then uh, this one is, is is the more sort of relaxed kind of uh, side of lo-fi, which is um, uh, you know not quite ambient, but but like leaning towards ambient kind of vibes where. You know, you, you might want to take take a take a seat and and, and chill and 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 it's uh, um, like you hear from the, the title. You know, it's meant to be a, a breathing a breathing space. You know, and it was created for for me because I enjoyed having the breathing space, creating something that was as chill and relaxing uh, as as that. But obviously, also with the listener in mind, that you can use it as a uh, you know as a as a as a journey to, to go on in a, in a um, moment of, of, of relaxing, you know? Yeah, kind of like a meditation state, would you say? A absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. You know, I'm, I'm not a kind of... I realize that music has become more, probably more of a commodity than it ever was. Like, people use music for for certain things now. Uh, and, and, and you know, I'm, I don't really want to fight against that. I, I'm, I'm like... Kind of, you know, you kind of want to accept that, and and I still like to create music as an artist and say, hey, this is my album, you know, as a whole, this is a piece of work, and 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 be happy about it as an artist. But I'm also fine if people say, hey, I love to listen to this music when I'm just like chilling, like as background music, or when I'm reading, like reading music or whatever. I'm like, that's fine, you know, if if that's how you enjoy music, that's good. Uh, so I, I guess it leans into that a little bit. What were your other your earlier albums? Now you because you mentioned you know that you grew up in the eighties, obviously, and you were influenced by uh, some jazz, and then later some heavy metal. And so, what were your earlier albums like? Uh, well, I've um, there's a few actually. I was very influenced for a while, and that that it's actually not available anymore, or it might be on iTunes. I'm not sure, but um, I was very influenced by Elliot Smith. I don't know if you know. The American songwriter Elliot Smith. Um, he, he he died. Uh, actually, next year it would have been 20 years since he died uh, from from suicide. Um, but he he was brilliant songwriter. Uh, very inspired by him. Um, so I did make an album that was very singer songwritery. But um, the last album I made that wasn't in the low vi genre was a an instrumental rock guitar album. I just I sort of spent all my teenage years learning. You know. Um, you know, guitar kind of stuff. Whether and and also in in in, in yeah, I was into you know like Vi and uh, Satriani and you know like people that that um, 
are, you know, virtuosos, basically. So I, I sort of felt like I, I wanted to get that out of my system or, or I wanted to put a little bit of that side of me out. So I did do that in 2017. I, I, I signed a deal with a, an American um, guitar-centric label and, and put out an album called Trigger, um, which is instrumental rock, basically. Okay. Um, so, so um, yeah, you know. Another thing. Well, now here I got to ask you this because being uh, a, a so-so guitarist myself, um, or let's just say I play a little bit. But uh, <laughs> the first question everybody asks is: So I've seen you on your videos, and we'll talk about that in a minute because you have these instructional videos that you um, do on YouTube. But you're usually <laughs> playing either kind of like a uh, relict Stratocaster, a white one, uh-huh. or uh-huh. you're playing once in a while a, a looks like a Les Paul. So yeah. what yeah. is what is what are your guitars of preference? What do you like to play, and is it the type of music that you you vacillate back and forth on, as far as your um, instrument? Yeah, I I, um, I mean honestly, I, I my first electric guitar that that I uh, bought um, saved up for ages, and 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 I bought a Fender Strat, and uh, to be honest with you, like that's still my home base, uh, and and uh, as you have noticed. Uh, See, I can um, hear you've um, you've poked around on my uh, YouTube channel. It, it, it's I really I really use that a lot of the time. Um, I go back a few years, and there was a lot of my. I have a 1967 um, Gibson 335 um, oh. that I bought while I was on tour, and I used that for quite a lot of videos uh, a handful of years back. And I still use it when I feel like I have to. You know, I want to do something that that is perfect for. Um, and uh, and I have a few Les Pauls. One of them is an, an, an '80s um, custom light uh, Les Paul that I that I use a lot. I bought that. I was using a Les Paul with Brian in the first year, and then I bought this vintage one, and he absolutely loved it. So I ended up uh, using that a lot of time with him. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 I th- those are the three that I fluctuate between. Usually a, a Les Paul, a Gibson three three five. Uh, both of which are, 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 are vintage guitars, and then my my Strat, which is more of a relic thing. Yeah, I I, uh, I mean, it's just been with me, and 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 you know, I didn't didn't go easy on it. Uh, let's say. <laughs> so um, it's okay. So you created the patina that the guitar has. No, that looks good. That looks very good. Let's talk. We got uh, a few. Thanks. We got a few yeah, minutes left here. Let's talk about your oh, YouTube yeah. channel, your YouTube YouTube channel, and your instructional. Um, um, uh, videos that you have on there. So t- tell our listeners, because there's a lot of people that want to pick up a guitar. Everybody seems intimidated by the guitar, but I'll be honest with you, it's really not that difficult of an instrument. It just requires something I'm guilty of: practice. You gotta practice, right? So go for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, so I don't really mess with the, the the straight up instructional stuff so much. I mean, sometimes I during the pandemic I started. I did a few live streams and. And uh, and that sort of thing, and I also have I have a, a, a pretty um, beautiful Patreon community where I do put up some some uh, some straight up lessons. But actually, the thing I put out is, is jam tracks. Okay. Uh, I've been making uh, been making jam tracks. Uh, basically, um, I encourage people, you know, to as early on in the in the process of, of enjoying music and playing guitar, uh, I encourage people to pick up their instrument and try. To you know, like have fun jamming because it's really not hard once you've learned, let's say, uh, uh, you know, like an A minor pentatonic scale, or you know, like just a, a, a simple piece of uh, like a scale and maybe a, a couple of licks uh, 
in there, you can already play the blues and have, have fun learning how to express yourself like that. So that's really where uh, I, I've, uh, I've, I've built my, uh, my, my YouTube following. And it's also what's actually enabled me to, to build all the other things that I've sort of, uh, that, I, that I currently do. Uh, is because I, like 12 years ago, I started, is it 12 years ago? Yeah, 12 years ago, I started um, putting out these jam tracks and they, and I kept on while I was touring, just putting out lots and lots and lots of jam tracks. And um, uh, so since then, you know, lots of people have started making jam tracks. But I, I was kind of the the, uh, the the early bird on YouTube doing that, which is why I sort of got lucky and, and built up a, a pretty big following through, through that. So that's actually the main thing that, 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 I, that I love to put out on YouTube is, uh, aside from my, my actual music, is just these jam tracks where I... Uh, you know, make a piece of music that that people can play, and I, I like to play a little in the beginning just to give people a few licks they they can uh, maybe learn and and, uh, and and apply to the jam. And then there's like written in the description there are scales that you can use and that sort of nerdy stuff if you want to dig deeper. So in that way, it is a you know it is a, a thing that's meant for you to to learn from, but it's it's based around the music and the joy of music. I just love music, you know, and, and I, 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 I love how it's sort of it's a medicine. It's always been kind of a uh, um, a free medicine to to me, you know, and and I think it can be, and and it is to a lot of other people. So that's the angle I come from, man. Oh, it's it's like a therapy. You're absolutely correct. Okay, so uh, totally. we have thirty seconds left. So if people want to find out more about you, but before I get to that, do you plan on doing any kind of touring with anybody? Is there anybody in particular you're working with right now? Uh, I'm actually because of the way I've, I've focused my time over the past couple of years, my own stuff is 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 doing better than it ever has. So I, I feel that um, I, unless an offer comes that I, that I cannot refuse, I will most likely go out in my own name um, very soon. And I, I definitely hope to come to, uh, to Florida as well. I was actually, I played in St. Augustine um, a few months ago with a, with a band actually, and uh, I, lo- I love it over there. So Super, super, super. Okay, so uh, if people want to find out more about you, Quist, how do they go mm-hmm. about doing that? How do you how do you how do you tell people to follow me, tune into my music, and follow me? Give yeah, me, give sure. The info. I mean, you can you can find me. Uh, I mean, you can find me on Spotify. I've got two Spotify's: one for Quist, Q U I S T, and then one for Quist backing jam tracks. That's my my jam tracks, and uh, you know, on Apple Music and, and all that sort of stuff. And then there's my my website, which is Quistorama.com, like Futurama, but Quist. Quistorama.com. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, on Instagram as well. Uh, have a, a, a bit of a following there as well. And, and um, uh, yeah, th- th- those are the, the, the best places to find me. Okay. Well, I also want to mention, too, that you played with some pretty interesting people. You played with Niall Rogers from Schick. You played with Mark Knopfler, uh, Johnny Marr from Smiths, the band, and, yep. of course, Flea yep. from Chili Pepper. So that's pretty that's pretty cool, and obviously with Brian Ferry. So you're doing a very, very good job. We look forward to having you on the show again, and I look forward to seeing you tour here in Florida sometime. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Also, just before I went on, I heard my friend uh, Chuck. He did uh, Chuck Wright from uh, Quiet, Quiet Ride. He's a good friend of mine. Well, very um, good. I, I, I heard uh, he, he, I heard his voice on a, a, on a line like on the, while I was on the line waiting, uh, which was funny. It made me chuckle. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Real quick, I, I, we got a second. But uh, Chuck does that deal over there at the uh, uh, Whiskey A Go Go. Do you ever go in there and play with him up there? 
yes. So this is how I got to know him. We I started doing that. Um, I think a few months ago, but I had a, a break from doing it for for a few years. But I back in 2015, 16, 17, I can't remember some of some of those years there. Uh, I did it pretty regularly and and uh, and, and and got to know um, Chuck, Chuck through that. Yeah. Okay, we're out of time. Quist, thank you. Say hi to Chuck. I want to thank my special guest, Quist. The guitarist. Okay, check out his website. Chris, you take care. Hey, a Merry Christmas to you. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Talk Radio Network. Merry Christmas to everybody. We'll be here next week for our New Year's show. Take care. Love your family. And drive safely. Drive safely. Oh, yeah, that's it. Boy, my mind went blank. Okay, stay safe, drive care, lead. Love your family. See you, guys. Filthy animal. And a happy new year. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.